problem for us either. Anything goes wrong, I'll kill him first, Otter said. Cleet nodded in agreement. Otter would stay with the horses and watch the street. If shots erupted in the bank, the crow would lift his rifle and drill Sheriff Monty Carson immediately, so he couldn't interfere with the gang's getaway. Otherwise, Otter would wait until the other outlaws left the bank and if anyone tried to follow them and raise a ruckus, then he would kill Carson. Either way, there was a very good chance the sheriff would die in the next few minutes. Cleet glanced at everyone else and got nods of readiness from all of them except Denny, who just did what Chick told him to anyway. The six of them stepped up onto the boardwalk and moved toward the bank's double doors. Otter's head turned slowly, as his gaze roamed from one end of the street to the other. This town had been peaceful for too long, he thought wryly. If that hadn't been the case, someone surely would have noticed the seven human wolves who had ridden in together, not even trying to mask their intentions as they closed in on the bank. Otter frowned slightly as he thought about the name of the town. Big Rock. There was something familiar about that, He knew he had heard of the place for some reason, but he couldn't put his finger on exactly what it was. It didn't matter anyway. After today, Big Rock would be famous because the Murdoch gang had cleaned out the bank and killed a few of the citizens. A broad-shouldered, sandy-haired man in range clothes rode past on a big gray stallion. Otter noticed the horse, a fine one indeed but paid little attention to the rider, even when the man reined in and spoke to the sheriff. Otter couldn't hear the conversation between Carson and the broad-shouldered man. He didn't think any more about it, convinced of its utter unimportance. Matt and Preacher are coming here? Sheriff Monty Carson asked with a grin. That's right, Smoke Jensen said, as he rested his hands on his saddle horn and leaned forward to ease his muscles after the ride into Big Rock from his ranch, Sugarloaf. In fact, they should be riding in today, according to the letter I got from Matt. I'll be glad to see him again, Monty said. Good Lord, Preacher must be a hundred years old by now. Smoke chuckled. He's not quite that long in the tooth yet, and he never has looked or acted as old as he is. I reckon he'll slow down one of these days. But the last time I saw him, he seemed as spry as ever. Sometimes it seemed to Smoke that he had known the old mountain man called Preacher his entire life. It was hard to remember that he had been sixteen years old when he and his pa first ran into Preacher, not long after the Civil War. Preacher had been lean, leathery, and white-haired even then, and he hadn't seemed to age a day in the years since. It was Preacher who had first called him Smoke, after seeing young Kirby Jensen handle a gun. So fast that the sight of his draw was as elusive as Smoke, Preacher claimed. The young man's hand was empty, and then there was a gun in it spitting fire and lead, and there seemed to be no step in between. Preacher had predicted then that Smoke would become one of the fastest men with a gun the frontier had ever known, and he was right.
But Smoke was one of the few men who had overcome his reputation as a gunfighter and built a respectable life for himself. Marrying the beautiful schoolteacher Sally Reynolds, whom he had met while he was living the life of a wanted outlaw under the name Buck West, probably had a lot to do with that. So had establishing the fine spread known as Sugarloaf and settling down to become a cattleman. Despite that, Trouble still had a way of finding Smoke. He had to use his gun more often than he liked. But he hadn't been raised to run away from a challenge, and anybody who thought that Smoke Jensen wasn't dangerous anymore would be in for an abrupt awakening if they threatened him or those he loved. An abrupt and usually fatal awakening. Preacher wasn't the only visitor headed for...